So with that being said, we're going to look at our passage today, which is 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 13. And here's what it says. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and impostors will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, let's pray. Father, we, we are gathered here once again uh, in your presence. Lord, to worship you and to hear all that it is that you have for us today. So we pray that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, we pray that uh, your word that goes out this morning to our ears and hearts, Lord, would have the effect um, that you send it uh, for, that it would bear fruit in our lives, that our lives would be changed, and that we would, uh, we would be more like your son, the Lord Jesus. Pray you would help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you are new with us this morning, we have been looking at the book of 2 Timothy uh, in the Bible in our series we titled uh, Vented Season Words uh, to the Church. Now, 2 Timothy is a letter. So just like all letters, it was written uh, for a reason. There are circumstances that are surrounding uh, this letter. So it was written by a guy named Paul. He, he was an apostle, wrote most of the second part of the Bible, which is the New Testament. He was locked up in jail for doing what I'm doing right now, preaching Jesus. And he was writing to a young pastor that he apprenticed, that apprenticed with Paul. And this guy was Timothy. He was discouraged. He was discouraged. So this is, these are the circumstances. But here's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to kind of zoom out a little bit and ask the question, like, what are these guys so concerned about? Why were these guys willing to go to the lengths that they were willing to go to? I mean, Paul is at the ends of the earth in his mind. He's in Rome. Uh, they're experiencing a lot of uh, uh, pressures and opposition, right? These men, here's, here's, here's the deal. These men were on a quest. That's the first thing I want us to think about this morning, that these men were on a quest. Now, I know that sounds uh, medieval. Um, uh, Knights come to my mind when I hear quests, right? Knights going on an adventure. Um, actually, what came to my mind when, when I was thinking about this is the movie A Princess Bride. Right? Anybody, anybody, uh, anybody a fan of that movie? One or two people? Um, yeah, uh, it, it, it's uh, me and the girls watched it recently, and we just cracked up. It was absolutely hilarious. But it's about Wesley. He's going to save uh, Buttercup, and he's got to beat Andre the Giant up. Uh, so I got to introduce my girls to Andre the Giant. That was fun. And then Aniga Matoya. You know, somebody killed his father, and people, somebody had to die uh, as a result. But the movie is about a quest. Right? The movie is about a quest. Listen, everyone wants their life to be a quest. An adventure wants there to be a little bit of a, a battle, a risk, excitement. So I think this is one of the reasons that, that people play video games, right? A lot of people uh, play video games uh, uh, in our culture, and I'm not hating on that. Um, now, if all you do is... Uh, sit in your underwear and you don't know anything else just play video games that's a problem um yeah we, we had one person uh, raise their hand on that one uh but uh 
So I looked up the number one video game of 2022, and it was a game called Elden Ring, right? And here's what, the Elden, Elden Ring is about repairing the Elden Ring and becoming the Elden Lord, right? In your underwear, yes, you become the Elden Lord, right? Um, uh, but it's about a quest, right? I, I think it's the reason that people ride motorcycles, right? Some people. A lot of people ride motorcycles around here. I have one. Right? I'm looking forward to when the weather warms up and riding my motorcycle. Right? I enjoy it. Um, no lie, I went to the Harley-Davidson website and this is what it says. The pursuit of adventure begins with a ride on a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. That's where it starts. Make any weekend epic. This is good. Turn your commute into a daily thrill seeker. Time to go to work, baby. Mm, wide open, right? Oh, this is the best right here. A Harley Davidson blows things wide open. Pure freedom. As big and as real as it gets. All right? This is what Harley Davidson, the advertisers and the marketers are tapping into, that, that people long for adventure. They long for thrill and, and risk and, and things like that. If there isn't any adventure in your life, it's not good. It's not good. Right? You get bored and... Uh, Life is not really that exciting. There's nothing really to go after. There's no goal. There's no, it's just humdrum. Just same thing day in and day in and day out. Without there being a quest, adventure in your life, it leads you to want to escape. All right? And we, when we try to escape from life, it doesn't go well. Bad things happen. Listen, people escape in a thousand different ways. My job is to work with human beings. And this is what I've learned. People try to escape from life in a million different ways. And we all do it. Uh, maybe it's um, by just, get, just want, not wanting to be around anybody. That's how a lot of people escape, especially in a rural community, right? We got our trespassing signs, we got our property, we got our guns, we got our door, we get in there and we lock ourselves in. We don't want to see anybody, we want to be around anybody. Uh, maybe it's by shopping, right? It's just, if I could, just by purchasing. Purchasing the next thing. Some people hoard everything. They hold on to all their stuff. If I can just hold on to it, right, um, then it'll be all right. Maybe it's drugs and alcohol, right? This is a big problem in our community. Escape from the boredom of life or whatever it is, the lack of excitement uh, through getting high, right, or getting, getting drunk, right? Maybe it's um, we try to drown it out, distract ourselves through all kinds of different entertainment. Right, through social media or uh, streaming video or the next show or the next movie. A lot of people feel empty, you know, because they know deep down there's got to be more to life than this, than what I'm doing. And a lot of people are anxious. They feel like something's missing in their life. Something's off, something's wrong. Let me ask you a question. Is this you this morning? Is this you? Is this you? Uh, if so, it's good news. Uh, I, I want to uh, share a quote uh, by C.S. Lewis in his book, Amir Christianity. This is what he says. If we find in ourselves a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy. Think about that. If you find in yourself that there's a longing, a hunger, a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, then the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And he's not talking about another planet. All right, he's talking about... Listen, you are here on this earth. You were created for something bigger. 
If nothing, nothing here can ultimately touch the hunger, the thirst, the boredom, the lack of adventure, if the Harley-Davidson doesn't ultimately satisfy it or whatever else, it's got to be something else. And that's what the Bible is tapping into. That's what the book of 2 Timothy is talking about. That's what is, that is what it's getting at. Listen, hey, I love my motorcycle, but I'll tell you this. It's not as big. It's not as real as it gets. What 2 Timothy is talking about is as big and as real as it gets. And here's what it is. All right, it's talking about a quest for godliness. All right, that's what we want to talk about here this morning. It's talking about a quest for godliness. Now, let me catch us up to speed here in 2 Timothy. Okay? The Apostle Paul is writing from prison to Timothy, and Paul knows that his boy Timothy knows that Paul's about ready to die. He's on death row. He's on trial before Emperor Nero. And he knows that Timothy knows he's about ready to die. And it's going to be a big hit for him. So he's writing to uh, encourage him. He, Paul is worried about it. So he reminds him of the good news of the gospel. He writes this letter and says, hey, don't forget Jesus. Don't forget what this quest is really all about. It's about Jesus. It's about the fact that God is faithful to his promises. That he sent Jesus into the world. He's the hope of Israel, the long-awaited king, that Jesus died, he was buried, and he's resurrected, that that grave is empty, and that the throne of heaven is occupied. He tells him, don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be afraid of what people think, of what people say, or what they're going to do. Remember Jesus. He told him to hold on to that. Hold on to sound doctrine. To be strong in the grace and the strength that only God supplies. I'm catching us up to speed here. Uh, this is the context of 2 Timothy. He told him to pastor the church like a soldier, like an athlete, like a hardworking farmer. He told him, listen, I want you to remind the church of everything that I taught you. And hey, listen, some people want to argue with you about that. Some people are going to want to argue. People like to talk. Don't take the bait. Don't do that. Don't argue with him. Don't go tip to tat back and forth with him, right? Gently and patiently instruct them. You never know. God might save them. They might come to their senses, right? But some people are just going to be unloving, hypocritical liars. But not you, Timothy. You followed me. You followed my example. You followed me on this journey, on, on this quest, right, for godliness. Look, at, I'll show it to you. I'll show you where I'm getting this. 2 Timothy 3.12. Look at this. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. You see that? All who want to live a godly life. That's what he's talking about. Living a godly life. And, and, and this, pack, this passage today is really a picture of that. It's, it's a panorama of what a godly life looks like. Um, a lot of times on my day off, uh, me and uh, my family like to go for a walk in the woods behind the house. Just go out there, just go take a walk. And we'll walk up into the field uh, on my neighbor's property, and there's this beautiful panorama. You look down through the valley, the mountains, and you can see all the way into Virginia. And it's absolutely beautiful, right? And that's what this passage is today. It, it's a panorama of this quest for godliness, of what it actually looks like, okay? But, tragically, um, amongst Christians, uh, the word godliness is not a word that you hear a lot anymore. 
right? It's kind of strange and um, foreign uh, to us. It can seem a little too um, heavy, a little too spiritual, godly. You need to be godly, right? You, godliness, right? Uh, that, sounds like, that sounds like way old school. Um, there's a, a Christian scholar, his name is uh, David Wells, and uh, he's been studying and researching the state of the church in America for several, several decades. And he's written um, a lot about this. And here's what he says in his book, God in the Wasteland. It is one of the defining marks of our time that God is now weightless. And what he means is that, that not God is literally weightless, but in the church, God doesn't have any weight to him. All right, this is the state of the, uh, the American church. He rests upon the world so inconsequentially as not to be noticeable. Here it is. Less interesting than television. His commands less authoritative than folks' appetites for money, affluence, and influence. His judgment no more awe-inspiring than the evening news. His truth less compelling than the advertisers' sweet fog a flattery lie, flattery and lies, that is weightless. So when folks hear the word godly or godliness, it sounds like an alien from another planet coming down. Right? It's foreign a lot, a lot of times in the church and in, uh, amongst Christians. So what is godliness? What is godliness? Right? And if you're here and, and you don't necessarily consider yourself to be a Christian, right? We're not, I'm not just talking about something that's uh, for religious folks or just for the uh, church people or some type of uh, ritual or rules or strictness that we apply to our lives. No, godliness is why you exist. Godliness is why you have breath in your lungs right now because we were created for God. Well, you're not an accident. You are here to know the living God have a relationship with him and to live your whole life uh, uh, for him uh, out, of, out of gratitude. But humanity in rebellion, we seek to be our own gods. Right? This is not rocket science. Just think about this. Right? To live your life without God is ungodless. Right? Is godlessness. To live your life for God and with God, that is, that is godliness. Think about it. So as sinners, right, we live without him, without God, in his world for ourselves. That, that's what it looks like to be ungodly or godless. Without God, in God's world, this is God's world for ourselves. See, that's godlessness. This is his world. We were created for him. We were created to live for our, ourselves and for our own, own pleasures. Right? Look, listen, look at what uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. See that? This is why Jesus came. Right? Ungodliness renders us helpless. That when humanity went astray, when we sought to be our own gods, to live without God in his world, we could never get back. Right? We could never repair that through no amount of effort of our own, no amount of religion, spirituality, medication. It doesn't matter what it is. We can never return. Right? And that's why Christ had to come. I watched this movie uh, this past week called 13 Lives. Anybody seen that? 
That, that is that's powerful, right? It, it's, um, it's a true story about 13 Thai uh, soccer players. And these young kids, um, they went exploring this cave and they got trapped in this cave during the monsoon season. And they were way down in this thing. And they were stuck there for days. And these divers had to risk their lives to go and find them, first of all, and then try to rescue them. It was like a seven hour swim in to rescue these kids. And in order to save them, one of the, one of the divers was a doctor and had to drug them. Uh, because they, they wouldn't have been, they weren't professional divers to be able to uh, go through this uh, cave. And uh, I, what I learned by watching that movie is, um, this is my worst nightmare. <laughs> to be in a flooded cave. That is terrifying. You watch that movie, you will have a panic attack, right? But these divers risked their lives and, and brought uh, all these kids out, uh, one by one. These kids were utterly helpless. They were there, they were going to die. They had to drug them and, they, and basically pull them out while they were under um, the anesthesia. And this is what Jesus has done for us. This is what Jesus has done for us. He didn't just risk his life like these divers. He gave his life. That's what Romans uh, uh, says, that Christ died for the ungodly. That when we couldn't help ourselves, Jesus came to die for us and to save us from all our ungodliness. And he gave his life for you so that you could return to God. Listen to uh, Titus uh, chapter um, 2, verses 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. All right, and that's just talking about the cross. That's talking about what Jesus did, that it was a gift of God to the world to save us. All right, bring salvation. Look at this. What does that cross do? What does that resurrection do? Instructing us to deny godlessness. You see that? That's what the cross does. Keeps going. And worldly lust. The cross leads us to deny worldly lust and to live in a sensible, righteous, check this out, godly way in the present age. All right, so Jesus didn't just come into the world to die to forgive you and to save you from some stuff. According to this passage, he died to save you for something. From something and for something. And the, the for is godliness. He died to set you on this journey, on this quest for godliness. And here's what, here's what godliness is. It is a quest for all of Christ and all of life. That's what godliness is. It is all of who Jesus is. All that good grace of God that we just looked at in that passage in Titus. For every area and every detail of your life. Uh, me and my oldest daughter, uh, Eva, this weekend, we uh, took a little trip to uh, Washington, D.C., and uh, we had it all mapped out, we had it all planned out, we knew exactly where we were going to go and, and, and what we were going to do. Generally speaking, the plan got changed a, a little bit, but we had, we had the whole thing mapped out, what we were going to do, right? And uh, we knew why we were going to do it. And that's what we have in this passage in 2 Timothy. Right? It lays out, okay, this is what it looks like to pursue a godly life, to live in a godly way. Look at it, 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3, verse 10. Paul's writing to Timothy, hey, listen, you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance. 
All right, so I got eight essential, eight essential things for the quest for godliness. You guys okay with that? Not eight, seven, sorry. Seven essentials for the quest of godliness. And the first is a plan. You got to have a plan on a quest, right? You need to know what you're doing, where you're going. 2 Timothy 3.10, right here it is. But you have followed my teaching. Now we mentioned this a couple weeks ago. When Paul says teaching, it is the word doctrine. Paul's saying, listen, Timothy, you followed my doctrine, what I preached and what I taught. And what was Paul's doctrine? His doctrine was the gospel. The gospel is the good news. That the whole of the Bible, all of the scriptures is about what God has done for us in Christ. That's what the whole thing, the whole Bible is about the plan of God to accomplish the salvation of ungodly people like me and you. That, that's what it is. We saw it back in chapter 1. Look, here it is. 2 Timothy 1, 9-10. He, God, saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, no effort on our own, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he's given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident. In other words, it's obvious. Here's how you know. Through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He came into the world and... Through his cross and resurrection, he abolished death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. What is Christianity? Think about it. Christianity is not acting godly. That's not what it is. Christianity is not obeying the commandments and then going to heaven. Christianity is not trying to be a good person the best as you can and then maybe there'll be a place for you one day. Or through religion, or going to church, or being a good person, right? then you'll have the life that you want. Right? God will love you and he'll bless you. That is not Christianity. Christianity is more like those kids being trapped in that cave. They were going to die. And they needed a miracle. And those uh, divers went in there and risked their lives and pulled them out and they were under anesthesia. They were completely passive. They just received the salvation. They received the grace from those divers. And see, that's, what, that's the gospel. Right? That's what Jesus uh, has done for us. That's godliness. Godliness is receiving what God has done for you in Jesus. It is not trying to work for his love or earn his love. It is receiving by faith what he's already done for you in Jesus, at the cross, in his burial, in his resurrection, his free gift of forgiveness and grace to you. Here's a question. Have you received it? Have you received Jesus? If not, here's the good news. That's why you're here today. To receive Jesus, maybe for the first time. Right? Or start it fresh again, here today. If you're a Christian. Right? You already believe in Jesus, right? You need to be reminded of this is the plan. Right? This is the plan. On your journey, on your quest for godliness, is to remember the cross, is to remember uh, Jesus. Number two is practices. Look at, look at verse 10 again, chapter 3, verse 10. But you have followed my teaching conduct. What was Paul's conduct? How did he act? That's what, that's what he's saying. Hey, Timothy, you remember what I did. Remember, act like me is what he's saying. Do what I did. All right, well, let me mention a few things that Paul, uh, about Paul's behavior. He was grateful. He was a grateful person. 
just think about it. Here he is on death row writing this letter to say, Timothy, I thank God for you, man. Think about that. And here he is in his letter thanking God that God has been with him, stood with him, and rescued him throughout all of his trials and all of his uh, suffering. Gratefulness is a defining mark of a godly person. Just think about it, because all of our life is a gift from God. Right? And just saying, okay, I get it. There's a God up there. There's a creator God. Right? I know the plan. He sent Jesus to die for me. All that. I'm completely undeserving. So thank you, God. Thank you for everything I have in my life. Godlessness is the exact opposite of that. It's being bitter, grumbling, complaining, whining, thinking that God owes you, that really this is your world, and he's here to be your butler and to serve you and, and uh, to help you with, with your, your plan, not his plan. That's, that's, that is godlessness. Let me ask you a question. Are you grateful? Are you a grateful person? Look at this. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's amazing. Let us be thankful. You see that? If you're a Christian, guess what? You're a part of the kingdom of Christ. May not feel like it, may not look like it, but one day that king is going to come back and it's all going to be clear. It's all going to be evident. You're part of the kingdom and it can't be shaken. So let us be thankful. For by it, by thankfulness, that's how we serve God acceptably, with reverence and awe. Paul was thankful. Paul was also generous. Right? Look at what the man is doing. Here he is, locked up, in jail, saying, hey, Timothy, man, don't be discouraged. Right? You stick with it. Remember Jesus. He's giving, he's giving, he's giving. He gave everything he had for the church, all the churches that he started, all the churches that he planted. You know what Paul says in chapter 4 here is, my life is being poured out. He's pouring his whole life out for people and for the church and for Jesus and for this quest, this quest for godliness. And guess what? He gave this letter to you. Paul's given to you here today. You're benefiting from his gifts and his generosity even now, uh, even here today. You know, we serve a generous God. We serve a generous God. God obviously gives us tons of things that we don't need. We don't need it. We don't need any of these, a lot of these things. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think springtime is so amazing? It, it, it's, we're not quite there yet, but, you know, we look forward to it. It's coming. You know, we, I spent like 20 years outside of West Virginia and a lot of it in an urban environment, and I'm still amazed when the trees start to bloom. The red buds, and then the dogwoods, and then the cherry trees. It's just beautiful. It is mind-blowing. You know what? God did that. Well, he didn't have to do all those type of trees. He didn't have to do any of those. Why did he do that? Because he's amazing. He, God is a fountain of gifts. And guess what? As a Christian, you ought to be too. You ought to just be overflowing with generosity. Where are you at with that here this morning? This is how it's, a lot of times it's, it's talked about in church. We are given time by God. We are given talent, skills, and we are given treasure, that is money and our resources. And we are given all those things by God to steward them and to bless and to love and to serve other people. 
That's what it looks like to be a godly person. That you take all of your life and your resource and you give it to be a blessing to other people. Right? That's godliness. All right. Number three is purpose. 2 Timothy 3.10. But you have followed my teaching, my conduct, and my purpose. You see that? Listen, here's the deal. You have a purpose. Right? You are here for a reason. And I'm not just talking like, okay, I got to figure out why I'm here, why, uh, what I'm supposed to be doing, like my little unique purpose. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the purpose that is in this book. Why God says you're here. You are here for this quest for godliness. It's a big purpose, right? It's not silly. It's not like, man, my purpose is to be the best ping pong player ever. That's not it. No, it's, it's God put you here for him. It's to know him and to live for him. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm a fan of bologna. Anybody, anybody, anybody like bologna in here? That, that's about half the building, okay. The rest of you are just lying, right? Bologna, right? Especially, uh, I don't know if you've ever had Seltzer's Lebanon smoked bologna. I can eat that right out the pack, right? Just, just give it to me. I'll just, I'll just eat it, right? It is, it is, a, it is amazing. But I had a flank steak recently. I just got to be honest with you. It, it, it couldn't touch the bologna, right? The flank steak was mind blowing. Right? Went out with my, my wife on Valentine's Day, took her out, had a nice dinner, and had flank steak. And I was just, I was just blown away. Listen, your, your purpose is not baloney. Right? God has flank steak for you. Right? The purpose that God has for your life is flank steak. In other words, it is mind-blowing. This is what has always amazed me about being a Christian, about coming to realize God's purpose for all of humanity. Right? Because when I wasn't a Christian, my life had no purpose. No meaning, right? I was just living for the moment. Listen, God has purpose for us all, and it is, it is beautiful. Number four is protection. 2 Timothy 3.10. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith. You see that? He's always telling Timothy, Timothy, you saw how I trusted God. You were with me. You know that I believe in him. You know that I trust his promises. You know I, I believe he, he is faithful. Godliness is going to God for protection every day, all day. It is seeking him. It is believing him, reading his word, praying, trusting him on a, on a daily basis for your real life. It's going, God is there for our protection. Um, my youngest daughter, Aline, uh, she, she's, she makes all kinds of stuff, right? She's like a little inventor, right? She, can, she makes all kinds of crazy stuff. So recently she made a, a cat house uh, for the cats. And uh, it wasn't quite, the scale of it wasn't big enough, right? But she wanted to introduce the cats to the cat house and she was trying to encourage them to go into the cat house and she had the cat by the neck and she was trying to get the cat, get in, in, in the cat house. And uh, what I'm trying to say is the cat house wasn't very, wasn't a lot of protection for the cat, right? That thing was a death trap, right? That we needed to rescue the cat uh, from, right? Here's my point, right? God is our protection. He is our fortress that we can go to him, right? We can go to God, whatever it is God going on. You know, the Bible all throughout the Psalms talks about God. 
as a, as a fortress, a rock, a refuge that we can run to. If you were to ask me, hey, Ricky, what's your favorite Christian hymn? Old school Christian hymn. Immediately, my answer is, A Mighty Fortress is Our God by Martin Luther. I love it. It's so encouraging. Right here, here's, the, here's the first line of the song. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Yeah, that's an old school word, bulwark. A bulwark is, a, is a, like a castle wall, a wall, a defensive wall. A bulwark never failing, right? He never fails. Our helper amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. That, that life a lot of times feels like a flood of problems, a flood of issues and suffering and difficulty. Right? But he's our helper in the midst of all that. And we have an example in our passage today. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11. Look what it says. Paul saying, listen, what persecutions I endured. Look at this. Yet the Lord rescued me from them all. You see that? And that doesn't mean that... Um, his life was easy or anything like that. Look, Paul details these places that he had planted churches. Iconium, Antioch. Listen, at one of them, they got so mad at the man that the, the, the town people picked up rocks and thrown them at the man. They stoned him and they left him for dead. And Paul said, listen, even in that, the Lord rescued me from that too. How so? Well, he helped Paul. He was with him personally, with his presence. He never left him. That he helped Paul to keep trusting in him and believing in him. And you know what? He got up. All right, time to preach the gospel again. And he went on to the next place, right? He kept him, he helped him to endure and to keep going, right? And you can do the same. That's what it looks like to live a godly life, right? That's what it looks like is to go to God in the difficulties of your life. All right, here's, here's ungodliness, escaping into something else other than your Savior. That godliness is going to God in the midst of your trials and your difficulties. Number five, people. Who would have thought? 2 Timothy 3.10 But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith. Check this out. Patience, love. You gotta have people to be patient. You gotta have love. You need people uh, to, to, uh, to have love. So, Paul's saying here, listen, you watched me do all this, Timothy. You followed me. You saw me be patient with people and to love other people. So, godliness needs to be exemplified in people. Paul set the example for Timothy by loving and being patient with the church. Godliness needs to be observed. Paul set the example. Timothy watched him. He saw, okay, well, this is how you do it. This is what it looks like uh, on this quest for godliness. Uh, Timothy saw Paul's love for the church, and then godliness needs to be followed. So in turn, Timothy did the same thing. All right, this is how you're patient with people. This is what it looks like to love people. Guess that's what I need to do too. Yeah, that's what you need to do. Right? That's why being a part of a local church is so critical to godliness. That's why we emphasize that. That's why we say, right, community group is the heartbeat of what we're doing here. Because you need other people to be godly. Let me give you an example. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. I don't know how clearer it could be than this passage. Therefore, be imitators of God. See that? As dearly loved children and walk in love. Imitate God. How so? As Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a sacrificial and fragrant offering. See that? Be like God. How should I be like God? Well, love people the way that he loved you. He gave his own son as a sacrifice for you. That's what it looks like. Love like that. So to be godly is to love other people. Right? We need people. Number six is perseverance. Look at it. 2 Timothy 3.10. But you follow my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love. Check this out. Endurance. Endurance. Now, I was talking with someone recently, and they, they were talking about, hey, you know, they were telling the story about when I got saved. When I got saved, right? And, and a lot of people, when they say that, um, when they, especially when they grew up in church, uh, they've been around the church for a while, what they mean is that they were part of a, a church service like this, and there was a call for people to come forward, like down, down here up front, and to pray to get saved, right? Or maybe they, they came down and they repeated a prayer, or maybe the pastor prayed over them, or something like that, and they say, well, that's when I got saved. That's how I got saved, was the pastor prayed for me, or I repeated this prayer, or like I got up from the back and I walked to the front of the building, and somehow, magically, at the front of the building, there's more love of God or something, and uh, I got saved. Now, I'm not hating on all that. What I'm saying is this. Going through those motions saves nobody. Going through those rituals, like, like if you were to get up and come up here, there's no more Jesus up here than there is back there. All right? That doesn't save you. What saves you is what God has done for you in Jesus. And you receive that by faith. That's salvation. It is trusting what he did for you, right? And not in uh, some effort of your own. But here's my point with all that. That's just the beginning. Getting saved is just the beginning because Christianity is about this quest for godliness. Getting saved is just the beginning. He's got a quest for you. He wants to take you someplace. He wants to save you from something and for something. And that is for godliness. The Bible doesn't know of anyone who is saved who is not pursuing godliness. So the question is, are you pursuing godliness? If not, you need to begin now. And beginning now means receiving Jesus into your life for the first time. Right? But if you have received him, if you are saved, it means keep going. Keep going on this journey. It is continuing to trust Jesus, to follow Jesus, to fight sin in your life. That's what we read, remember back in Titus chapter 2? Jesus died to instruct us to deny godlessness and worldly lust, turn away from sin, and to say yes to what the Bible says is right. We've got to keep going. We've got to endure. Lastly, number seven is peril. Peril. And look at it, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 11 through 13. Say, Paul saying, listen, Timothy, you followed all of this in my life plus this. Along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. These are places that Paul started churches. 
what persecutions I endured. And yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, check it out, all, that includes us, who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. Listen, every good adventure involves risk. That's what's deep down in your heart, right? You know that you, you were created for some excitement, some risk. That's a real, that's a real adventure right there. Um, this past uh, fall, I went on a hunting trip to Nebraska. And part of that trip was riding side-by-sides. And I had never driven a side-by-side in my life. So these guys, these professionals, decided it'd be a good idea to put two West Virginians in the side-by-side together, right? One of them was me. And the guys were like, hey, give yourself some distance between one another because there was a lot of dust out there on the prairie or whatever that place was, right? And there was a lot of dust. And uh, if you're too close to one another, the dust is going to get sucked up into the, uh, to the air filter and stuff. It's going to cause it to overheat, right? Well, that went in one ear and out the other to me because I was like, nah, it's on. Nah, it's on. This, this is... This is a race. We're going to win this thing. West Virginia, baby. We're going we're gonna to take the trophy today, right? And I turned the whole thing into a race, right? And listen, I almost killed another pastor from West Virginia, right? Let's be honest with you. His wife is not happy with me at this point. Um, but, yeah, it was risk. There, there, was, uh, there was peril. Involved. I could have shot him into the Missouri River or something, uh, flying out the uh, side by side. Here's my point. If you are godly, you're going to experience persecution. That's what this text said, didn't it? Verse 12, right there. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Do you want to live a godly life? That's the promise that is made to you. You're going to be persecuted. Right? And listen, we don't go out looking for a fight. We don't go out looking uh, to be hated by people or to be jerks for Jesus. Like, that, that's the motto of our church. Jerks for Jesus, and we're guaranteed we're going to make you upset. Right? That, that's not what we're trying to do. But persecution is what you sign up for. This quest for godliness is risky business. And this comes in all types of different forms. I want to show you. Luke chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount is warning Christians, he's warning his followers. Look what the first thing he says here is, Woe to you when all people speak well of you. Be warned if everyone likes you. Be warned if everyone thinks you're amazing and you're just a nice person. Here's his point. Ungodly people are not persecuted. Godly people are. And maybe what that looks like is this. Not everyone speaks well of you. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. When you're a godly person, not everyone is going to like you. Not everyone is going to speak well of you. They may gossip about you. They may slander you. Spread all kinds of lies around about you. Uh, they may think you're strange or weird. Make fun of you. Make jokes about you. Make jokes about the Bible and being a Christian. or Not include you in certain things. Maybe they, they, they exclude uh, Christians from the public square and don't allow our voices into uh, things that uh, we got a lot to say about. That's what it looks like.
But this passage is meant to encourage us and to strengthen us so that we're not caught off guard. We ought not think it's strange when people in our culture um, um, think that the church is a threat or an enemy or that what you believe is hateful. Right? We ought not be caught off guard about these things as if it was something strange. You know, uh, at the end of that movie, uh, 13 Lives, those divers, they had rescued all of those kids, and it took them days to do this. And it was exhausting. They risked their lives. And they, they went back to their, their bunk, and they were in their, their wetsuit, and they just took a, they were all just, you know, they just took a deep breath. You know what? And one by one, they started laughing. One by one, they started laughing because it was, it was amazing. Right? They risked their lives, and look what happened. They saved these people. They saved these people. They saved these kids, and they rescued them, and they were happy about it. Right? Right? See, this quest for godliness is about your happiness. Listen, it is an epic journey. It is an adventure. It's the one deep down that you've always been looking for, that you've always wanted uh, in, your, in your life. It's what you've been searching for. And here's the deal. It leads somewhere. It is going somewhere. It is leading us all the way home to Jesus' kingdom. Right? And at the end, you know what's going to happen? He's going to come back. Somehow we're going to sit down and we're going to go. And one by one, we're all going to start laughing. It's going to be joy forevermore. It's going to be eternal life in Jesus. He sees Jesus' kingdom and in this quest for God and this is ultimately about your joy and your deep satisfaction in God. I love, I love this passage. Uh, in uh, 2 Timothy 3.12 it says, In fact, all who want to live a godly life. And that's really the real question is, what do you want to do? Do you want to live a godly life? Do you want to be on this journey? That's the main thing, right? What do you want deep down in your heart? Do you want to pursue godliness in Jesus? And I pray that you do, right? And these, th these, are, what, these are the things that we need along, along this journey. If you're here this morning and you haven't started this journey, maybe, maybe something deep down is telling you, I at least want to. All right, well, let's get after it. Let's do it. Let's start today. All right, and that's what, this is what we want to respond to now.